Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey everybody and welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe themed podcast of recap potential and joy. I did it. That was me, not the, not Chan. Yeah, it wasn't Chan. Chan's not, fixing something not, right now. Not <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be groaning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you do a thing? Oh, I did do a thing, Chan. Did you miss it? I'll do it again for you. No, please. You don't, don't need Oh, I don't have to? We're good? All right. Well, I am Ray Stacanus. <laughs> I just finally figured out the secret of happiness. Oh, geez. Is to ignore Ray. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I'm going to keep using Chan, this, this you've technique been, that I've I've developed. been accusing you of ignoring me for 38 episodes now. <laughs> Oh my god, have I been using the technique all along? <laughs> you had the power in you, Dumbo. Oh, you never I needed the feather to fly. Secret genius. Anyway, say your name. Oh. Oh, my, oh well, I was, yes, we'll get to you in a second, <laughs> sir. Oh, sorry. I got to get this Bumbo on track first. <laughs> I'm Robert Chan. Thank you. Me. I'm Gina Abolito. And we have a special guest here in studio. Heck we are yeah. joined by Yay. a writer extraordinaire, Flint Dilly. Yay. Uh, Flint, say hey. Hey, how you doing? I'm Flint Dilly. I, I broke in earlier, but. That's right. We just <laughs> happened to catch him here. Actually supposed to be here. <laughs> Flint wrote this episode, you guys. That's right. We are doing an episode called Ode to Cobra. And Gina, this is where you normally tell us something about the author. Of the episode. Oh, I thought that was a Chan job. Well, you're the one that started actually paying attention you don't, to you it. Don't know. No, I you just, I just have been writing down the names. You just say the name and Chan then Chan looks it up. Googles them. <laughs> so, Chan, what can we learn about our guest here rather than ask him ourselves? <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in learning about myself. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, let me quick IMDB you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, because you you eventually were uh, um, one of the story editors, right? So like a, like a sort of head oh writer, yeah. Or? I mean, what happened was Steve Gerber was a story editor on the show, and he'd been hired by Sunbow somewhere in summer of '84. And I was having a disastrous experience at Lucasfilm right before this, and I got back, and I'm just kind of like. Yeah, I'm writing pick a path adventure novels. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of fun. It was I was writing with the guy that created Dungeons and Dragons. But oh, Gary guy, 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 guy. yeah, Wait, are yeah. you under your name or under under my name? Yeah, okay. They're, okay. They're, it's the Sagard series. Oh, and Gary and I were designing games and writing movie pitches and all this. So yeah, you know, I was kind of hanging around doing that, and Steve called. And said, "Hey, will you come ghost story edit some uh, GI Joe episodes?" <laughs> and I mean, Steve Steve's arguably the best story editor there ever was in animation, but he is certainly in that era. That's that's my opinion, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, that's what we got you here for, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and he uh, and he was the creator of Howard the Duck and, you oh, know, he, awesome. and Thunder. And I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's written all over 80s uh, animation. Anyway, he's, so, he's written a few episodes we've done as well. Uh, so yeah. Far, so oh, yeah. 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 He was, and so he called me up and he said, uh, yeah, well, he said, I'm doing this show where it's called G.I. Joe and you can hit the, they, the characters can hit each other with real fists. <laughs> and, 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 and that was his pitch. And, and what that meant is in the 80s, there was a, all this program practices and violence mm-hmm. for children and all that was the paramount issue. And, and we'd worked at Ruby Spears together before that. And, I mean, the stuff we had to do, basically, your villain could be guilty of, like, you know, minor negligence was probably <laughs> at the furthest end of it. So now we have a thing where there are, like, planes and guns. And, <laughs> you, you couldn't hit anybody, but that was just trivial to us. I mean, you know. We've, you know. You finally get to work with the good stuff. Yeah, we got yeah. to work with the good stuff. That's right. You wrote uh, another one of our famous episodes, uh, our favorite episodes. It is my absolute favorite episode of G.I. Joe called the Games Master. Mm-hmm. Well, that was. I thought at the time it was about Gary Gygax. You know, yes. I wrote it up there at Dungeon and Dragons. You know, their uh-huh. mansion they had in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and it, I mean, like I very rarely wrote scripts for the show because I was a story editor. Sure. And I, so I would only write a script when something else fell out. Oh. And and I get a call. Okay, we got to have some. Both Oda Cobra and I know Games Master for sure was done inside. A 24 hour period. Oh my wow. God. I mean, from, wow. from Jay and I talking, uh, you know, on the phone, uh, what do you want to do an episode on to the, you know, a pretty much the episode we recorded was, it was inside 24 hours. What's That's the fastest great. you've ever written an episode, Gina? Man. <laughs> was it 24 hours? It definitely was not 24 hours. <laughs> but, but, but wait a second. I mean, you have to understand. Okay. There, there are like three components to how that happens. One, I'd edited. You know, at that point, God knows how many episodes. So it, it was like I knew the characters. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, more than any of the other Sunbow – tell me if this gets boring. but uh, they, It will you know, never get boring to me. Yeah. But more than any of the other Sunbow shows for me was just effortless. You know, I, in other words, it just – you know, I mean, yeah, when they uh, – you know, when they offered me the job, they said, hey, we named a character after you, so you have to take the job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's like, yeah, I don't know that that's really true. But I, it's, it's, I want it's it to be true. Story. I want it to be true, too. <laughs> There's yeah, a character named print. Dilly? Yeah, yeah, Dilly, yeah. Um, Steve, uh, uh, you know, I came in and I was story editing for, I think the first thing I did was Roger Slifer's The Germ. <clears throat> That's the first one I remember. And I think maybe there's something by either Earl Kress or Mary Screenus after that. And, yeah, and, and I think Marv was doing a script. You know, I mean, these are all people I didn't yeah. know yet. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I mean, the ones that are still alive are like Facebook friends now, but <laughs> at the time they were just names and they were all these comic book guys. Cause mm-hmm. kind of unlike everybody else, you know, everybody else that Steve brought in, you know, either came from animation world, which I had been in, um, or came from comic world. And, yeah. and what GI Joe did is it served, you know, cause we'd get these 65, you know, you know, orders, you know, mm-hmm. orders for 65 episodes. And that's a lot of episodes. Yeah. And so Steve could, you know, offer somebody three scripts and that would finance somebody moving out from New York. Oh, sure. Okay. Yes. You know, cause I mean, Sunbow paid really well. I mean, it was just a silly you know, period of our lives. Huh. And, uh, so anyway, I got there and, and edited, uh, yeah, I think Roger's script was first and there was another one, maybe Steve Mitchell. I can't, I, I can't remember. I just remember, Lying on the floor of Steve's apartment, which was, you know, just over, you know, in the 
like the Oakwood Apartments right next to Universal Studios. Oh, yes, yeah. on the hill. And, uh, you know, just like editing episodes. You know, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm well, going to drive back to Dungeons & Dragons. Flint, <laughs> I hope you've got 40 hours free because we're going to marathon them all right now to get you yeah. back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sorry. sorry. You know, I'm going on for a long time about this. But, but that's no, how it good. happened. That's fantastic. So, I mean, so you got brought on originally by Steve yeah, to by do, Steve, yeah. do the show. And, uh, yeah, I just... When we were doing the Games Master episode, we kept thinking to ourselves, Gary Gygax has to be affiliated with this in some way. Like, he must have been insp- inspiration from it. I know that well, we said that. Well, he, out was, loud. he was right there. Only to find uh, out in hindsight, <laughs> yes, he was actually. Oh, yeah, sitting because next I was here. writing books with him, like that day. Oh, my gosh, that's so fantastic. You know, and then Jay's got this thing that we've got. Oh, I mean, the crossover, I mean, it gets really off topic, sure. but the crossover, and that's what was cool about that era. And, and it's, it's sort of worth thinking about is. That it was like now it's common, and we think of comics and games and and animation and movies as all being the same thing. But then they were really different worlds until that period. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day, you know, coming. This was afterwards, but coming, you know, over to the D and D mansion with a bunch of Joes and Transformers because Hasbro just <laughs> sent them out, <laughs> and we're setting them up in the lawn. Gary and I are, are, are making a miniatures game out of it. Ah, great! And, oh no, it's like greatest hits of guys who wandered out to L.A. in the eighties. I mean, Frank came over and like you know, and they they, they had servants there. And they had like Pim's cups and stuff like that, so like serving drinks. And, and we have we have some of the guys with like tape measures figuring out how far Megatron can shoot and exactly how much you know damage because it was obviously it was the Joes and the Autobots versus the Decepticons uh-huh. and the and that. But yeah, I mean you have the real Gary Gygax doing game miniature rules for you know. You know, for this stuff, I've but. never wanted a time machine in my entire life. <laughs> it was up cool. until this moment, right now. It was cool. That yeah, I mean, would be I, the highlight of existence. Yeah, I mean, you're just standing there in the lawn, and things are blowing up, you know. And, <laughs> and there, are the, you know, a couple because TSR had all did like their designers had come out, so a couple of those guys are hanging around, and we're arguing oh, about, gosh. you know. How far you can move and what the time increment should be between the moves, and, <laughs> you know, and and yeah, so it's kind of great. Well, that's fantastic. Well, let's jump into the episode here. Yes, uh, Oda Cobra episode thirty-eight, uh, uh, written by Flint Dilly, and you're here with us. That's so exciting. I'll say it again for those who just tuned in because that's how podcasts work, right? That's not how, that's podcast. not how podcasts work. A million times. Oh, so you should people know don't this just... by now. Oh, if you say so, Gina. I mean, that's your opinion. Yeah. Uh, we start off in jolly old London. International International. Episode. We go all over the map on this one, I tell you <laughs> what. So is there a real British museum? Is it called the British oh, Museum? Oh, yeah. It's my London? favorite yeah. place in the okay. world. It's a real place. The Rosetta Stone's okay. there. I, mean, it's- I figured it was something real, because every time I'm like, that, there can't be a place really called that. I'll look it up, and it'll just be, oh, yeah, yeah, there's totally a real thing called that. Mm-hmm. No problem. So we're at the British Museum, and we find a mummy. By the way, he's, he's a pretty sweet-looking buff mummy. <laughs> Yeah, you nobody noticed that, that the, buff, the mummy. Yeah, like I out. was like, that's a that's a buff mummy right there. Well, yeah, it's, they only have the best specimens. <laughs> How long did he was he undercover as a mummy leading up to this operation? Because I feel like it was like weeks. He must have smelled terrible. I'm not gonna lie, I thought this was gonna be Storm Shadow. Did anyone else think that this was gonna yes. turn out? To I be think Storm it's Storm Shadow? Shadow or Zartan. I was thinking Storm Shadow because Zartan would not be that. Zartan smooth. would have fucked it up. Yeah, already. Zartan would have messed it up. <laughs> the Night Watchman would have walked by with a flashlight, and then all of a sudden the sweat beads would have started yeah. on the mummy's temple. By the way, those guards, not at all. 
affected by the fact that there's a running mummy. The guard's just like, hey, stop. There's, they don't have time to worry about that, Gina. He gave him every warning. I mean, uh, uh, to be fair, I mean, mummy, hands up, don't shoot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And they shot him anyway. He was, he was not, that guard was not afraid. He was doing oh, his uh, job. Wait, 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 wait. I just realized this just now. Yes. Just as we were talking. Those... <laughs> Goddamn British cops have guns. Yes, they do. Oh. Laser guns. And they're not supposed to, right? Actually, I wrote cops have lasers, and I was like, well, that's weird. And just now I was like, wait a minute. Cops don't have guns at all in Great Britain. Uh, they do in the museum uh, security field, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. That okay. Is, okay. That is We're real. in G.I. Joe universe. <laughs> okay. Everyone has a gun. G.I. Joe universe works differently than the real universe. And the British have guns there. Okay. Guys just get in mummy cases and nobody notices. <laughs> no, I have no we're, problem with guys in, in that cases. world. Somehow the mummy didn't bother him. It was the guns with British. Yeah. The part that makes me laugh is that uh, Firefly, we, we turn out, it's actually Firefly is the yes. mummy. Mm-hmm. He's taking, a, he's got a little picture camera and he's taking pictures of the, like, the, the stone and stuff. And then as soon as the cop comes over, he's like, oh, well, screw it. Throws the camera and just takes the whole stone with him. <laughs> Which I'm like, pretty, could, the camera was portable enough, Firefly. I know you're, you're good at your and job and all. Get the stone. You gotta get the stone out. Hands, yes. Because yeah. yeah, because the stone has to be dropped in right. the water later. Yeah. And absolutely. But it just made and me laugh. He in the wasn't moment. sure his pictures were gonna come out. So if it's he took point. the real stone, oh, that is a good he knew point. That, it was you know. dark in there. Also, yeah. that mummy suit does not have pockets. Okay, you know what? I take it all back. So. Firefly. <laughs> he's good at his job. I just love that he's just like camera, picture, picture. F it. Throw. <laughs> That's right. Nails well, the guy the with it. Here's the thing though, like uh Firefly, it was one of the few people. Uh, when he does something, uh, we just kind of go, okay, that must make sense. Because he's one of the competent people. Yeah, one he of the is few one competent of the competent people. Yeah. Him and Storm Shadow are kind of the two in our book of Cobras who never F up. Baroness right. has her shit together, too. I she kinda, usually does, yeah. I kind of want to see that guard go home and develop the rest of those photos. <laughs> because what kind of weird crap... Is, what on, was he? is on that roll. It's far fly taking pictures of it. That's it. Yeah. 20 dick yep. pics and then some, some stones. Oh my now, here's the real, here's the question. Yes, sir. And that is, like, I have, I seriously doubt I ever wrote in the script that he had a camera and he threw it away. Oh. Okay? Oh. That's the kind of thing I probably wrote that he had a camera. Mm-hmm. I forgot all about the fact that he had a <laughs> and some guy doing the storyboard uh-huh. who actually has to make sense of this stuff <laughs> said, "Wait a second. He starts out with the camera. It says exactly what you did because <laughs> the process of writing, especially when the script has to be done in in you know twenty four hours, mm-hmm. yeah, the process of writing is utterly different than the process of drawing. Yeah, and I have a feeling you know somebody like Larry Houston, who was a genius. Larry Houston, like I mean, he did Game Master, Games Master, sure." And like came out with something better out of my highly impressionistic scripts <laughs> than 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 I had in my brain. He did it every time out. He did it all the way through in humanoids. Every time I'd work Larry Houston, the stuff was better than I wrote it. You know that was. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it's, it's a storyboard guy that has to figure out that kind of continuity stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have back and forth between them? Like like oh I see yeah I should have done that. Shockingly or little. We just didn't have time. Yeah. I mean when you're get doing you know you know trying to get two episodes a week out. Yeah, you know, I, there's just not a lot of time for somebody to call me up and ask questions about you know what's going on with the camera. Also, you it know, probably I, means anytime you get any idea at all, you got to follow it down the hole as far as you can take I, I, it. I would argue that it, that was what made the show kind of better. 
Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, because when I was actually writing movies after that, and now you torture every line and every sure. thought, mm-hmm. yep. and everything gets criticized. There's something fun about the fact that he takes the pictures and then he throws the camera away <laughs> and all that, because it's this weird detail that's like real life friction. That's the kind of stuff people actually do. Yeah. They, uh-huh. I mean, in, in the real world, people do things that don't make sense. Well, that's one of the things I Whereas appreciate. You never about, get that into a movie. Yeah, about this episode in particular was there's a lot of just unique lines that were just not found in other G.I. <laughs> Joe episodes, which we will get to. But the camera just being a, a classic thing of just like, yeah, what else would he do? He's got to throw something at him. Well, I, I mean, what I do remember from this, and this is a good time to talk about it, and that is, I remember the the kind of work order for this. I remember Jay saying, you know, let's do an episode where we're like, you know, we don't blow up the headquarters again at the end. <laughs> then, you know, what? Let's, you know. We've blown up the headquarters at the end of the every episode. Let's just have something that's different than that. Fair I was thinking, let's do like kind of a romantic comedy. Kind of a, I mean, let's say, you know, and I wanted to set it in James Bond world. I wanted to set oh. it in yachts, mm-hmm. a British museum. You know, all those things are something you could have seen. Now, I remember this is 80s James Bond, but we uh-huh. always kind of reference. And like Steve and I always thought of G.I. Joe as James Bond with a lot of characters. There are, we never thought of it as a military show. We've noticed a lot of James Bond references. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, and, well, even more so, and Steve more prominently, though I was the real fanatic for it, is Springfield is a prisoner episode. I mean, that, you yep. know, that yeah. prisoner, I mean, you cannot overstate the amount of influence that mm-hmm. had on just our perception of the universe. Absolutely. <laughs> well, from there, Firefly escapes. He takes us all the way to Antarctica. We're at the bottom. And I immediately, in my head, it's like, is this Antarctica? I see snow. It must be Antarctica. <laughs> oh, it's a well, base. All right, I'll tell you how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Antarctica because Hasbro would send us a list of the toys they wanted to feature. Uh, uh-huh. yep. And okay, we want to get the snow cat in there. Yeah. You know, or we want to get, you know, polar boar in there or some character, you know, and, and, you know, and so, oh, okay, we're going to Antarctica. Plus, fact, I just wanted to be all over the world. Well, you're in England, <laughs> yeah. you're in Antarctica. You can do this in animation. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you couldn't do that in any other medium. Right. There's no other medium where it's like, hey, let's call in an airstrike because I've written myself into a corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is also, I believe, as you just said, the first episode we've seen Frostbite and the Snowcat. By yeah. the way, Frostbite, very unfortunate name, I feel like. Well, just, just something terrible that happens to you in the cold? <laughs> I mean, I guess like like snow job got the better of the snow related names. That would be like if they called barbecue like burn victim yeah. instead of a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like the the underwater guy just call him like shrivel dick. <laughs> <laughs> would that be? Yeah. Would that be inappropriate? Um, and there's one of my favorite lines, Chan. Maybe you can get a poll for me here because I, a line I absolutely loved. I just have it start out. For, Hold on, for let me poll. see if, if it's the one. I'm, it's the one that I want. Yes, I marked off. I'll I loved it so much. This is not it, no. That's the blue goo, goo noise, though, that yeah, I like so much. Uh, but now, how many of those shots do you suppose hit? <laughs> well, definitely the one on the goo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only the goo one. I don't think he could have missed, though. I think he was so close, and it was just a room full of ripe targets. Right. <laughs> I actually... T- I Wait, actually, here it is. Here it is. Hold on. Hold on. At least he missed the coffee pot. That was my... Oh, that's not the one I had. That was, oh. but, but you know what's funny is while he was shooting, I distinctly noticed that he missed the coffee that pot. Was the, that yes. was the note I made. He hit everything except the coffee yes. pot because I, like, I even was about to write a note and oh, it said it, well, at least he I'll missed tell you the how lines pot. like that happen. Okay, like, yeah. When a writer's actually writing a script, you're not thinking about the coffee pot unless I was like happened. I mean, I don't remember how that line was written, but I'll tell you how it probably happened. And that was one of the things about Joe is we were able to do pickups. Mm-hmm. So if we didn't get the line right, 
So you, because the way animation worked in those days, you, you know whether it still does, but the way it worked is you'd record your audio before the storyboard was done. Uh, often is not. You know, sometimes it wouldn't be. Sometimes you'd be working from the board. But <clears throat> and so what would happen was. I'd actually be looking at the storyboard and I'd say, oh, wow, there's a coffee pot there. Okay, let's throw in a coffee pot line. <laughs> because remember, you know, the, you know, the artist actually has to draw a kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking kitchen and, you know, I just have this vague idea that that stuff's all there. But then you actually go into the storyboard and you say, well, let's dig it out and really make, you know, make the props and the mm-hmm. stuff fit in and try to give a sense of reality. That, that is how that stuff happens. So it was probably written during the recording session while I'm looking at the boards. There you go. Oh, you know, if the boards were done first, if the boards weren't done first, I'm looking at the boards and saying, hey, let's pick up some lines, you know, because we're going to be in with the same actors on Thursday. <laughs> See, well, that was fantastic. That's not the line I had. The line I had was from the thing before, if I just may, which is uh, the news plate. The news guy says uh, he stole this priceless stone, which would only be interested to scholars, to which point one of the scientists turns to each other and says, maybe he was a scholar. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I just love that so much. It's like, well, it only makes sense if you follow the line of thought. If only scholars would be interested in it. Maybe he was a scholar. That made me laugh. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, right over here, Firefly opens fire in the entire room, uh-huh. makes a big deal about not seeing his face. This is the big yeah. character point of Firefly. He has a very mm-hmm. diva prince moment. Right. He has a mask. He knows he has a mask, right? Yeah, but his yeah. eyes could still be seen, you know. I, I mean, mean, he could wear goggles. And the, cool I, I do think goggles. it was like, it's like that moment when you get the rider from Prince, and it's like, make sure no one looks Prince directly in the eye. <laughs> Where are my green M&Ms? <laughs> well, I was thinking of Firefly, if you didn't like the fact that you had this goop all over your show, maybe you shouldn't just open fire randomly in a room full of goop. Like, I'll put that out there. That was a tactical misstep on your there part, was, there sir. There was only one thing that, ha- that contained goop and, and he, he did not know it contained goop no but it was a giant cylinder full of something <laughs> no, no, ideally it should have blown up he is a hero because these poor motherfuckers are stuck down in antarctica and he saved the coffee maker which <laughs> is want to bring it up that is probably the one thing that they look forward to that's in their true. lives it's also well, probably the most exciting thing that's happened there in months ever and the ever. only thing i knew about <laughs> antarctica research is i had a friend who actually did that a friend a friend of mine from high school and he'd been telling me about it it was b- before that time. And what he was studying is why fish didn't freeze because the water was actually below freezing oh. underneath Antarctica. So they yeah. were studying why fish didn't freeze. Interesting. And so I probably That's had crazy. some idea about fish goop <laughs> that, of course, was never articulated in the script. But I just decided, you know, I want to have some goop in there. Does that make sense? I just assumed when uh, he came in and started shooting, it was the thing. I mean, maybe I'm just oh, too yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> anytime anything happens in a remote Antarctic it's base, I just thing. assume Kurt Russell and the <laughs> thing are showing up. Yeah. All the time. So cut over to Joe headquarters now, where Flint is being paged on the roof with Scarlett and Lady He's, J okay. Sunday. Well, what yeah. a pimp. He's just chilling with He's, bikini babes. And yes. he, is, he yeah. is the only one standing and the only one fully dressed. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I yeah. like to imagine that like two minutes before, he was just like... Rubbing his hands together creepily. At, at first, I thought this might have been the episode that Bill was talking about. Yes, the the Bill Radner episode we have not actually aired yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. He was talking. He was talking about a specific episode where Flint and Lady J are on the roof doing suntan lotion. I thought the same thing. Uh-huh. Oh. And then uh, um, uh, they have a a child. 
possibly legitimate, possibly legitimate. No, it's uh, Marissa Fairborn. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And Marissa Fairborn shows up in the Transformer. Right. Uh-huh. You know, I, mean, I, I had no idea this was a thing until yeah. very recently. So Flint and Lady J, like their relationship in this episode is very. I think yeah, I it's the that, most we've seen of yeah. like the actual. Yeah, well, like I said we wanted to do kind of a romantic comedy out of this. We wanted yeah. to play it like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if we just not blown up a headquarters and, mm-hmm. and, and you know the. The pro- the toys they wanted us to emphasize lend it to that, and we said let's do it on a cruise ship, and let's have her dressed in something other than you know than the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she was looking good. We decided, yeah, what really are these good. guys doing off duty? Because you want to have an idea, what are these guys doing when you know just staring at it, girls in well, bikinis? It makes yeah. sense. Scarlet and Lady J would be on the roof of Joe headquarters sunbathing, and Flint would be watching, watching them. Well, we just get a lot of comment. We got a lot of comments at the time about this. You know, the Joes lined up on the poster looking like the village people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. back to the the 80s. So we wanted to take that off the table. <laughs> well, Flint's like, I, shockingly, Flint says, okay, I'll be right there. I would have said, I think I'm good here. Send Duke or Beachhead or whoever else we got on base right now. I do want to mention that I definitely thought halfway through this episode, oh God, this would be the worst episode with Duke. I'm oh, so yeah. Glad there is oh, a Flint. Yeah. I'm so glad there is a Lady J because if Duke and Scarlet were there, Ugh. I'd be tearing my hair Such out. Such squares. Flint, talk to us about this because we just uh, we consider Flint and Lady J kind of the B team with Scarlet and Duke being the A team. I think that's appropriate. I, however, yeah. But Flint and Lady J are so much better. Flint, yeah. I, saw, I saw it differently. <laughs> See, <laughs> is that right? And you will notice when different story editors in there, Flint's, Flint's like, you know, you know, rank. This was like a running gag at Sunbow. <laughs> you know, his rank would, I, you know, when I'd do it, he'd be a field marshal or something. <laughs> when they do it, you'd see him peeling the potatoes. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Buzz and uh, Doug just uh, didn't see things, you know, that way. That's they are. We, we, yeah. we consider them the superior team because they're much more interesting than the other two. Yeah. Yeah, I like, well, it, there, was, there was somewhere to go with them because yeah. Lady J and, and Duke were really well established early on. Mm-hmm. And the show is much more a military show. And so the way I thought of it was if it's a military kind of a show, then it's it's Scarlet and and, and Duke. If it's a spy kind of show, it's Flint and Lady J. That's perfect. That's just how I thought of it. You know, interesting. You'd never. You don't want to see Duke and Scarlet undercover. What would they even do? They would. They'd they'd be at a NASCAR or something. Oh my goodness! So we uh, let's see here. Cutting over to okay, we have a fight now between Snow Job and Firefly. Love him. This is this is absolutely a James Bond. I'm glad you said that. It's a James Bond kind of fight where they're skiing and throwing grenades at each other and and just super super fun. And then we get we get the first appearance of Frostbite on the show. And there's just a whole lot of skiing around and throwing grenades at each other. That's yep. really the only note I took of the fight that stood out for me. Uh, also, that Frank Welker did the voice of uh, Frostbite because like Optimus Prime. Why is Optimus Prime on that? Oh, no, okay, that would be right. Megatron. Megatron. What? Peter Cullen is Optimus Peter Prime. Peter Cullen. That's right. Is I, that what yeah, you meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah Peter Cullen. Well, yeah, yeah but Frank, Frank Welker. Okay, Frank Welker could sound like anybody. <laughs> right. Okay, I mean, like uh, Chris Lotta didn't show up on time. He was doing Cobra Commander, and no, <laughs> you couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> oh. okay. No, Welker, Welker is Welker's a Genius. freak. Yeah. Okay, I mean, uh, yeah, it still is from by all accounts. I mean... When we were doing Transformers, because it, it was much more demanding for bizarre voices, mm-hmm. you'd literally be talking to him and saying, okay, this is an Insecticon, so it's a robot, but it's an Insecticon. You know, and, and he could dial it up and down a little more insect. Can you make it a cricket, not a fly? Oh, my you know, God. You'd just be, no, Welker, Welker was awesome. him. I mean, that's what was funny is, is the, the actors, you know, at, at, you know you had, at one end of the spectrum, you had just raw... 
you know, just professional virtuosos. I mean, you know, I mean, they just don't make them like Welker. Mm-hmm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you had guys like Chris Lotta, who <laughs> is sheer frenetic wildness of the oh, guy. Yeah. And he was no slouch. I mean, he could do anything he wanted to, too. But the guy himself changed the vibe in the room. Oh, yeah. sure. I'm quite sure that the traditional anime... So, because he was a stand-up guy that Joe Bacall found in some bar or you know, club in Manhattan or uh-huh. in, in the village or something and brought him out. And so, you had, you had that... And, and like literally, he would be in there, and there would be a manic, kind of scary, unpredictable energy in there. And I love Chris. I mean, he, Chris was great, but you know that, and that—that's what made these shows different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the, most of the rest of the team was you know professionals who worked together on a bunch of different shows, and they had to be off to another show, you know, at two o'clock, and then we'd bring these wild animals in there. You know? <laughs> and, yeah, um, Buzz had a couple stories, yeah, and I, I liked yeah. them all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked all those guys. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, especially the, the Joe guys. Sure. I mean, it's just the, the diversity of just the characters you're creating. At the end of the day, the Transformers is still a bunch of robots. <laughs> These guys are all coming from all different corners of the earth. Uh-huh. Uh, and you could pretty much justify any character choice you possibly <laughs> want to make. Yes. Um, well, of all the characters, who is your favorite one to write for? I mean, we already well, know the Flint. answer for yeah, Buzz. I mean, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I figured that'd Buzz, be the answer. Buzz was shipwrecked. Shipwreck, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, we all knew that. That's um, hilarious. Yeah, Shipwreck's so, yeah. coming up here in a second. No, he but I mean, there were a lot of them that were just kind of effortlessly. I mean, you know, Destro and, and Cobra Commander were, you know, I mean, Joe was just effortless. In yeah. The show itself. I mean, pretty much you get the original nugget of an idea, and then yeah. the whole thing just. That you just do it flying out. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, all of a sudden we discovered that uh, Firefly, when he got the goop on him, it was actually tracking paint, which, mm-hmm. as we learn, is mildly radioactive, and everyone <laughs> in the room seems totally cool with that. No, 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 no. Back in the 80s, mildly radioactive just meant you would get superpowers. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, got, this is the 80s. People didn't worry yeah, about that. Story. I got bit by radioactive paint, and now I am Paint Man. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the whole time I'm just like, is anybody in this room safe? Is there like a sort of growing gotta, third they, arms? They don't care that that Geiger counter starts going off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Should we leave? Nah. We find out that Firefly's been on a mission right now. Usually Cobra would send multiple people to multiple places. Not in this case. We've got to make sure we get all of it. So we, Firefly is, dresses as a mummy and he gets the, the, the recipe. And now he's here in Antarctica getting the jackals Well, you had the reason. He was competent. You know, yeah. and he was the only one. Yeah. Done, you know? mm-hmm. Every time we see Firefly on screen, we're like, oh, something correct is about to happen for Cobra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't put him on screen to F up. Yeah, th- <laughs> you know? this plan didn't fail because of him. No, not even a little bit. Uh, Destro looking at you. <laughs> uh, so we end up now, because we've already been Antarctica, Joe Base, and London in the first four and a half minutes. Uh-huh. Let's go to Madagascar, <laughs> yeah. home of animals. Right. That's right. We got to have a jungle. I mean, you have it. You, yeah. you, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I it. do that for years on video games. I mean, you got to have the, you know, the snow scene, and then you have the, the underwater oh, yeah, scene, yeah. then you got to have the jungle <laughs> yep. scene. We didn't get a desert is, in this This is one. Super Contra, basically. Yeah. <laughs> All the Super Contra levels. It's, it's every stage of Super Mario. Yeah. There was a point where Gina was complaining because it was like six episodes in a row of jungle. She's like, can we just please get out of the jungle? Yeah. That's true. Plus, they kept destroying those jungles. Yeah. They just kept driving their vehicles no, no, through no. all those jungle trees. It was cool. We didn't we didn't care about jungles back then. <laughs> their, their footprint was large. We don't have to worry about uh, carbon. It was, remember, it's the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. So we do get to no, shipwreck. That was a fun decade. <laughs> <laughs> we get to shipwreck with Polly. And Polly, who I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, so you miss Polly. I was very excited. I literally wrote in my notes, yay, Polly. <laughs> yay. Uh, Polly outing shipwreck for ma- many criminal activities. Yeah. So much about hideouts. Shipwreck's a crook. <laughs> 
So, of course, Shipwreck knows where the Pirate Cove is in Madagascar. Uh-huh. If there's any member of the Joe team you brought in, you know, in a seedy way. Yeah. That would be Shipwreck. I do, that, I, that did make me wonder what... what disturbing knowledge Polly has. Oh, Polly's seen some shit. That's guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what were these boats that Flint and Lady J were on? The the G.I. Joe surf oh, rafts? Because yeah. I, I knew the toy line. I didn't pull this one out at all. They looked fun. Yeah, they looked super fun. That's, that's windsurfing. That, yeah. That was like yeah. a thing in the 80s. Again, they don't yeah. have windsurfing anymore? Uh, still, oh, I'm like sure. They must still have windsurfing. I don't, I, I don't ever see them like just like really? out on the, Guys, let's go to Malibu right now. Let's just go. <laughs> the, the parachute thing where uh, uh, the boat goes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that looks fun, too. Yeah. No, that looks terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but, you oh, know. God. Why would you uh, do that to yourself? Fear is where the fun's at. That's what Fire Sign Theater mm-hmm. taught me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, like, I don't, I, like, they're incorporated so many toys. And in this particular case, I'm just like, now he's just adding stuff that doesn't even exist in the toilet. Yeah. Don't you have enough things to work in without inventing more? That would be a good one to play with in the bathtub, though. Oh, the shark was super fun to play with in the bathtub, there for the go. record, from personal experience <laughs> <laughs> last week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we get Flint and Lady J. Uh, they've broken into the Cobra lab, and uh, they've decided, you know, oh, we've got it. We've got the piece. We've got the stone. We're going we're gonna to F up everything, even though the, 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 the recipe's already been transmitted to Cobra headquarters. I loved Cobra Commander appearing on the screen to interrupt them with the, with the button in hand, being like, uh, hey, I'm going to blow you up. <laughs> By the way, this was the first time that I realized. It took me 38 episodes to realize this. I feel like any time Cobra Commander is having one of his his meltdowns, he should have like crazy Muppet arms because he always he's always he's like Wah! and I, can, I just want. But he was like so still, like he's like screaming, but because of the mask, you can't tell. So I was like, I just want him to start doing wavy Muppet arms. <laughs> he probably didn't do what he's gonna say. <laughs> Well, I just appreciated him saying, let me show you the quickest exit. And I really wanted a moment yeah. there of like comedy where he was like fumbling. Okay, it's which button <laughs> do I? Okay, hold on a sec, guys. It's okay. Uh, oh, the big red one. Hold on. <laughs> like I just, I wanted like three seconds of dumb. But no, he, he had to give me full competence in that moment. Thanks, Cobra Commander. He to push a button. So yeah. Good for well, he was going to get plenty humiliated for the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it won't just be this episode or this season. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be ongoing for a while. I will say, I feel like his laugh is the verbal equivalent of Muppet Arms. That's what I'm when saying. Because when he just goes, like when the laugh, when it lasts for longer than about two seconds, then that's yeah. just like, it becomes a scene in itself. Just, ah! Yeah, I'm saying podcast <laughs> listeners from now on, <laughs> anytime <laughs> Cobra Commander is yelling in a scene, picture him with Muppet Arms. No, when you're watching and you hear him do that, put your own arms up and start, <laughs> oh yeah, I like that. that. That's our equivalent of a drinking game. That's our podcast drinking <laughs> <Okay>. game. <laughs> Do a shot and then Muppet Arms. <laughs> be honest, I could just go for that right now. I mean, why wait? Uh, so they get blown up. Uh, they go through the wall and then end up in the water, which yeah. was like, I thought they were deep inside some like underground lab, and it turns out, no. No, it's a cove. It's Pirate's Cove. It's Pirate's right. Cove. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and a great moment happens where uh, Flint's trying to hold up the, 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 the Rosetta Stone, and Lady J is like, quick, i got to translate it, because remember, she speaks all those languages, <laughs> oh, right, right. Uh-huh. which is great. Uh-huh. And he's just like, well, you got a choice here. Uh, you better go quick, because either I'm going down or the rock's going down. And she's like, I can't pick. <laughs> <laughs> 
and just fantastic. These, I mean, these are the character moments that we live for in GI. Yeah, no, that was fun it stuff. But it, I'll tell you, it always bothered me. It even bothered me watching it yesterday. That like they let the rock slip down. I mean, that's yeah. that's like really important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking they could go back later and find of it. They um, pretty yeah. much remember Flint, where they it's are. Only yeah. it's only important to scholars, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> F those guys. Am yeah. I right? But I'm a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, Lady J uh, once again gets one of the favorite Lady J things to do: exposition. Uh-huh. Yep. Whenever uh-huh. we have like three lines of exposition, it's like, "Where's Lady J? Bring her out. She's going to say a few things. Are we good? Okay, let's continue the episode now." It always falls on Lady J. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, she was the, uh, one of the smartest people on the team. You know, oh, the smartest. Yeah. Know, yeah. So yeah, give her that. Give her that crap to do. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have been the one to have written? The fish flying into Flint's face, or was that something that the animals? I, you know, I was looking at that and I couldn't remember. Yeah, I, mean, I can't imagine in what universe I would. Sometimes, like there may have been a whole gag that got cut out. Uh-huh. Okay, that in, you know that involved you know the uh, you know Cthulhu coming up and they fight it and, <laughs> and all that, and all that remained from it was a fish hitting him in the face. I mean, I, I don't know that stuff would happen. Okay. Yeah, you'd have a whole sequence gets cut out, and then it's like, you know, oh, okay, well, uh-huh. we still have the fish. <laughs> we get introduced to another new character for the first time, Short Fuse, who I didn't remember even a little bit until rewatching this episode. And apparently, uh, all the G.I. Joes have certain superpowers, they have special designations. Mm-hmm. Short Fuse's job is to read Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> right, yeah, that's an important Just... job because they spend a lot of time sitting around in their base, you know, <laughs> not doing much. He's the TMZ uh, <laughs> equivalent guy. I want to. I want to see if his card actually says that. He yeah. Specializes in uh, um, entertainment crap. Yeah, celebrity, <laughs> celebrity news. gossip. I just. I picture that moment where Duke's like, I just don't know who's dating who. Get Short Fuse <laughs> on the line. <laughs> um, we we learned about a brand new man because Short Fuse knows, and this is the one time he appears in the episode. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be seen again, but he knows who Socrates Ertes is, the richest man. In- the richest bachelor. Well, he in the just world. happens oh, to be uh-huh. reading a bachelor magazine. That's right. <laughs> you know, which he probably picked up on an airplane. <laughs> uh, I believe that Shorty gets on delivery. That was the eighties. I mean, what's, what's funny about these cartoons? You watch them and you, you realize how eighties they are. <laughs> oh, I mean, sure. They actually had magazines like that. Yeah, uh-huh. the National Enquirer. You know, I mean, you Star, would see. Yeah. Oh. Well, no, but even like more specialized, they, they'd uh-huh. have like. You know, billionaire magazine, <laughs> and, and you actually have Socrates Artes, you know, on the front of it. Yeah, and also uh, the big news—he's looking for a wife. Yeah, <laughs> he's did looking we, for a wife, ladies. Did we get? Did we already get to the Sand Palace, the the Cobra Sand Palace that we see? The Cobra Sand. I don't palace? remember Cobra Sand Palace at all. There's like there's this crazy, and it reminded me of Super Mario Brothers. Ah, okay, you guys don't remember this? No. Now keep going. Tell us what you remember, Gina. I, I in just, this fever dream, I just remember that there's a there's a crazy sand palace with with cobra heads all around it. You are right. What? It's out in the desert somewhere. Yes, sir. Okay, is in there. Yes. How, how did you guys not see this? I, must, yeah, I, I just remembered it when you brought it up. I must have been writing something down for the third three seconds of Cobra Sand Palace. Here's the deal. It sounds wonderful. I mean, it reminded me of that one level in Mario Brothers where the sun starts chasing you. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it looked like sort of an Egyptian. It didn't look like an Egyptian temple, but they had cobras all over the side of it. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. I, and I have no idea. You know, <laughs> I mean, I probably does. wrote cut to. Cobra Desert headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> and then here, and then we have a scene, and then here we go back. Go back and watch it. It's a, it's after the... Well, you know I will. It's after Muppet Arms, but it's before... But, uh, but the it's reason stuff my, like that happens right. is like when, when these guys are doing the British Museum, right? They're looking at all these pictures from the British Museum, and then you know, that's the way they're thinking. Yeah. So that 
you know, drags into they the rest of the something episode. something awesome. It all works, yeah. Well, uh, we cut to where we're going to be spending all of Act 2 and 3. We're going to go be on the yacht. Uh-huh. The James Bond yacht. Yeah, and the there very we are. Flint and Lady J Tuxedos, show up. yep. Yeah, they're looking good. Looking really good, both looking of nice. them. Not a lot of ladies can pull off a white dress. I know I don't look good in white, you guys, so that is a feat. That is a feat for her. Well, so is a white tux, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, yeah he, look, he looked badass. Mm. I'm surprised nobody asked Flint for an hors d'oeuvre, though. Like, <laughs> that's just how awesome he looked. <laughs> Let's look at the dude's shoulders. You're not going to ask him for an hors d'oeuvre. He'll crush your head. So like. the Cobra's plan now, uh-huh. and, and again, and I've said this so many times, Flint, it, it happens in G.I. Joe a lot. Cobra Commander already has the winning plan. Uh, established, and then he uses it for a bad plan <laughs> yeah. to go forward. So it's like if he just edits himself, he'd control the world eight times over. Mm-hmm. So he's got this thing that will make any man lose his poop to any woman and and, and get him in love. So then he takes it to a, a boat and then sends Baroness on board uh-huh. in order to seduce him where... Even without the plan, she probably should have been able to seduce yeah, him anyway, that's right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, I was. All like, right, now when you do, do an aphrodisiac story, normally <laughs> you want to have okay, you know, but you can't do that. That's sexist. So sure. now you have to have the guy. But the, the the gag was that there were so many women on there that she needed an edge. Yeah, okay. okay, okay. You know, the, I mean, this is the eighties. So all yeah. of a sudden you have <laughs> yeah. fifty impossibly beautiful women on the boat. And so, yeah, you know, the Baroness is average out. in that crowd. And so now. My only note was I want that man spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I think like, if, if this episode was written in the year 2016, this would have whole been a reality show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> been, <laughs> this was, Socrates on the boat. I'm going to find a wife by the end of this party. It's the, bat- it's the Bachelor is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. By the it's way, I don't know. Bachelor. I don't know if you guys have seen the seen a little movie called Love Potion Number no. Nine with oh, Sandra sure. Bullock, but I feel like it was based off of this episode. Oh gosh, <laughs> uh, no! I mean, I was watching the episode thinking there is the romantic comedy movie you can make out of this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, and and there's been a lot of stuff that's danced around spy in certain parts, dances around this territory. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we learn we cut back to Destro's pissed. Destro and the Baroness obviously are a power couple to uh-huh. end all power couples. Uh-huh. He doesn't like the idea that she's about to go off and kind of get get funky with this billionaire. I bet he's wondering how far she's going to go. Well, don't forget, mm-hmm. she probably tested the spray out on him, so he's like extra. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. But they were already madly in love, that's right? right? That's right. It just made it worse. <laughs> uh, he's pissed. He wants failure. Destro yeah. is acting, and this yeah. happens about every uh, it ten episodes. A lot, but he wants these plans to fail. Destro kind of gets gets pissed off about something personal, whether it's the yeah. synthoid episode yeah. where, where Destro has the synth made of him. And he I wants it. the whole failure for everybody. Because it is like having that idiot co-worker where you're trying to explain why it's not going to work and why it's a bad plan. But since Cobra Commander is a 12-year-old boy, he never listens. Yeah. Yeah. So I get why Destro is always wanting those plans to fail. It's almost just at a certain point. It's just like, I told you it's going to fail. Now I'm just going to sit back and watch you yeah. fail. Exactly. Yeah. And then if it starts actually going right, he kind of steps in. How can I make <laughs> this fail so I can save some face? Save some beautiful metal face. <laughs> Uh, and this is Chana, if you could do a sound poll for me here, this is one, maybe one of my favorite Cobra Commander lines of all time. When uh, when the the crew gets dumped, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you know. I have morons on my payroll. <laughs> <laughs> I have felt that way so many times in life. <laughs> well, that was stolen from Butch Cassidy and the Suntans kid. Oh, is that right? Oh, I got yeah. idiots on my team. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that was you know that was uh, nice. Well, it absolutely worked, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Uh, Baroness sprays Flint. 
Which, how could they not see this coming? To me, it's obvious, right? <laughs> as soon as he walks up to her, I'm like, why Why would they send you? Send Lady J up there. She's got it in her hand while he approaches yeah, her. Yeah, he's like, he's like, this, this can't possibly go wrong. Look, oh. Had it been a gun, it only then would have been slightly less stupid. <laughs> the one weapon to defeat you is literally being held on you. I'm going to just walk yeah. up and act like nothing's wrong. You know, Flint, you know, I give give him some credit. He's got a sack. Yeah, I mean, maybe, got a sack maybe on he him. thought he'd be immune. I bet he thought he'd be immune. You think? Oh, my love for Lady J is so strong, even though I'll never <laughs> quite admit it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. At this point, Destro's had enough, and he goes over, and he's basically like, yeah, you stop me from going over there and effing yeah. this up right now. Like, we've he's gone from just wishing it to be bad to making it be bad. So him yeah. and Flint start fighting. Which, by the way... How much do you think Destro weighs? Ballpark figure. Oh, 275. <laughs> That's what? a lot no, of muscle. Pure no. muscle. But also oh, yeah. like also taking into account the, the, yeah. the metal. But he's also 6'6", six, six, I he assume. Is, he is the most easily thrown around man <laughs> ever. That's true, because in every opening credit every scene, opening he gets tossed credit, around. He tossed around, like yeah. a rag doll. Again, Flint, <laughs> shoulders. The dude. Big guy. Uh, yeah, when the, uh, we, we saw him the last, uh, the, whatever episode that was, uh, when he was in uh, street clothes, he just looked like a, a professional oh, he's wrestler. A tank, man. Just a yeah. yeah. He's got them, he's got them lats. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Lats? Okay. Yeah. So my, I like Destro's thinking now, though, <laughs> is that him and Flint are fighting and he's just like, what am I going to use? He's just like, I'm going to fuck you up with this piano. How about that? Yeah. I'm just going to take this yeah. piano and I'm going to beat your ass with yeah. it. And I just respect to Destro immensely. Whatever's handy. He's a, he's an arms dealer. He can't just like shoot you with a gun. It's got to be a fancy gun. It's got to have, have flair. Yeah. That he's been working flair. on for 10 years. Yes. <laughs> in the studio. Yeah. Well, plus fact, we had to use yacht stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had to be yacht stuff, you know, so it didn't feel like, I mean, the whole intent was, we don't feel like we're in a military base. So mm-hmm. the, yeah. Yeah. Well, I liked when Flint picks up the, the serving dish, slaps Destro in the face uh-huh. with it, and Cartoon leaves the imprint of Destro's face <laughs> on the plate, and I had a happy dance moment that's, on the inside. That's realistic, because that, that mask is, is made of a strong metal. It's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> metal on metal, man. It'll bend yeah. something. And those plates, let's face it, they're flimsy. Yeah. Well, I even mess. I do appreciate the, the waiter coming over to uh, Socrates and asking him, oh, I thought this was part of the entertainment. Like, <laughs> two grown men fighting with over a piano was like, oh, here's how we're going to entertain the ladies. I would definitely, I would assume that. I would be like, do we, is this? <laughs> here's the thing. Is this part uh, of the show? Is that really right? Uh, ultimate fighting was not yet legal. Okay, fair. Oh. But if you're on a yacht, and you have Any rich assholes. Are you telling me that they're not just going to hire two people to just beat the crap out of each other? <laughs> and the three ladies who stay, we're going to kill a man. We're just going to hunt him and kill him in the engine room. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, by the way, coming up, coming up, Bechdel test pass. Oh, you guys. we did it! Oh, yeah, congratulations, Flint. What's this? So, uh, so actually, and 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 uh, when we had Buzz on, his episode also passed the Bechdel test. That's true. Now you were familiar with what the Bechdel no, test is. The Bechdel, Bechdel test, test is is something that says that uh, uh, in order to pass this test, a movie or a TV show or a film has to have two or more female characters talking to each other about something other than than their relationship with the men. Right. So very few TV yeah. shows, episodes right. of TV shows, and movies pass this. Even now, it's something like twelve percent. So, all so movies. what did they talk? What were they talking about? Yeah. So they, so they, how do we do it? They were uh, <laughs> at some point. Uh, the Baroness and Lady J have a conversation, 
about what's going on and about the the bottle of perfume. Okay. And then the other women on the boat are saying, no, I'm going to get the bottle of perfume. No, okay. I'm going to get the bottle of perfume. Counts. So there are several interactions where women interact with each other. Well, this All is right, past like counts. number nine, I think, so far. Yeah, out actually... of the 38 episodes. So good so, for you. Yeah, there you if go. The, if the Bechdel test passes 12% <laughs> of the time. We've hit like 25% of the time. Yeah, it's progressive. I was saying forever. G.I. Joe's yeah. one of the most progressive shows of my lifetime. We, we do this for every episode. And and yeah, we've had maybe about nine of the thirty-eight pass pass so far. So kudos to you for writing. Oh, there one we of go. Episodes. There it is. <laughs> well, uh, both Destro and Flint get to get their butts ejected, and yeah. I just I with appreciate it. With yeah. a net. Destro gets well. Flint just gets oh, picked yeah. up by dudes and thrown overboard. <laughs> which you know, uh, uh, by the way, fuck these guys. They might die. Who cares? Yep. He's got a giant metal head. Let's just grab a net, throw him overboard. <laughs> That's what I loved about Sick. watching it. Is, is you just you have to. You're in that universe. You're, uh, you're, yeah. <laughs> You're Again. in a universe where people are thrown off yachts like yeah. they've been thrown out of a bar, and, and like yeah. nets can pick guys up, yeah, and chuck them say out. Strong net. Yeah, I mean, Again. you know, I mean, we're, it's a cartoon. It's you know, fantastic. Not, there's no liability. There's no, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, yeah. this is the richest man in the yeah, world. Right. He'll buy his way out of everything. It doesn't matter who he's throwing off his boat. Yeah. Uh, Destro sort of dumps the Baroness right here. He gets so mad at her. He's just like, we're he's, through. He's done with it. We're yeah. done, done with you. And because she's still going for the, uh, the for Socrates. Yeah, not her fault, by the way. She's staying on mission. She stays yeah. on plan. I think yeah. it's commendable. Yeah. yeah. At this point, though, this is where because this is where all the women on the boat start spraying themselves. Right. And I, and I wrote that this dude must have the most painful boner ever because <laughs> literally just every every chick is spraying herself and then talking to him. And he has so many women to focus on that he must just be like, I'm getting uncomfortable now. My boner is yeah, uncomfortable. Socrates Bonaris. Is it. <laughs> yeah, because Lady J sprays herself. It uh-huh. gets knocked out of her hand. All the women just start spraying themselves. And again, they're already hot women. Yeah. So he probably already mm. had a had a had a semi boner. They're, they're kind of sad now though, aren't got, they? Oh, because they're so desperate. They're just for him. so desperate for him. Yeah. Like, there's a certain point when the when the party starts where they're all just like, "I'm going to meet this man, and maybe we'll hit it off." And uh-huh. we're all classy again. And like, then it devolves. It is literally like The Bachelor. Yes, it is literally. You watch it, and no, then it's you a just downright fashion show. You know? <laughs> it, it devolves into the Real Housewives. In those days, in yeah. those days only animated characters would do that. However, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Really, we're the monsters now. We're we're less progressive now than we were in the eighties. And the next season of uh, Survivor, uh, uh, Jeff Probst is going to get his face covered in metal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness! So the the the, the bottle of perfume falls overboard. And uh, underwater escalation is the only thing I wrote. I got excited because it's like, send the shark, send the sub. We're going to oh, fly yeah, planes. everything in, in there. I mean, that was Thunderball. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I mean, you know. <laughs> So we have just a thing that just starts with a couple of sh- like a ship fighting a ship, mm-hmm. and then it blows up, and then we just get dudes on dudes, and we get well. That sounded <laughs> that does that congratulations, means, that means Gina. Something different. Yeah. Uh, underwater dudes <laughs> on dudes. My what's, what's favorite the problem? part of the episode. <laughs> like a weird Busby Berkeley ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and it's just it's just uh, it just keeps like heightening and heightening and heightening, and it was beautiful. Uh-huh. And, and all of a sudden we just end up with two full teams with full fleets just. Banging on each other for this uh, thing. Deep Six gets his uh, his suit ripped. So it's so rarely do we actually see that in the show with all the shooting and punching and stabbing that happens. The actual damage. Yeah. yeah he's going to get the bends. 
That will happen in a later episode of Gina. Uh, it will happen. The Benz becomes a crucial story point. I don't remember when it happens, but I know that it does. Teaching kids about the Benz. God, that's the only reason I know about it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. And at which point, uh, maybe one more sound pull, ch- uh, Chan, because the ultimate thing happens as uh, the aquatic life decides to win the day over both G.I. Joe and Cobra. Yeah. Everything about that is perfect. I just I wrote, say. Uh, all it says in my notes is that crab's going to get some sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that crab's going to want to get effed by all the other crabs. Yeah, now. yeah. He's, <laughs> he's going to, yeah. And then a fun thing happens because the Baroness is finally punching out. She realizes this mission's not going to happen. Uh-huh. So somebody dressed like the Baroness gets run, gets knocked down Love to it. rip off the rubber mask to reveal it wasn't really the Baroness. It was some rando chick at the party, which yep. means Baroness packed a rubber mask of herself. <laughs> I love it. She yeah, has a hair. I, and I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> now, that, once again, okay, what if I were making up an explanation for how that happened? Please. Is one of the women decided, oh, he's in love with that one. Woman, so I'm going to disguise myself as her. <laughs> and, and she went back to room and made the And she went back to her room and somehow <laughs> did herself up to look like the Baroness. <laughs> I, and, and that was, you know, a half page sequence that then just turns into fill in the blanks. You yeah. Know? It's I'm, a great line though because she says, I'm not a Baroness, I'm a Duchess. I'm a Duchess. <laughs> I just want to, I mean, that the Baroness always on point. Yeah. She gets things done. She plans ahead. Mm-hmm. Every single time, yeah. We've we've established in many other episodes that she is the most competent. She's she's pretty fantastic, yeah. I mean, she's out there impersonating dudes. And like even yeah. that Zartan's job, Way and he's terrible at it. Yeah. Way better than Zartan. <laughs> she, well, that character Arnold that she played, which was nothing like her at all. Oh yeah. You know. Was there anybody in the writer's room pulling for poor Zartan? <laughs> I know like- Zartan because he was like this extra guy out there, so you could just make a good clown out of him. <laughs> I mean, we thought of him kind of as being Lobo. Yeah, I mean, oh, it, yeah, it, sure. you know, because yeah, you know. remember Steve Roger, Lobo, Roger right? Slifer? No, Roger Slifer, Roger Slifer created okay. Lobo. Yeah, oh, Steve, yeah, Steve created Howard the Howard Duck the and uh, Thunder the Barbarian uh-huh. and stuff like that. I can dig it. Well, at the end, but the that's end. what's so funny is there's a yeah. staff full of people that have like created actual characters you've heard of. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, Baroness gets away, taunting and laughing. Maybe next time, Socrates, since you know Destro dumped me. Yeah. So I'm free. I'm a free lady. Maybe she's going to go after this universe's stealer. Yeah. Oh wait, no, he's back at the old universe. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Well, that that love never happened. The bizarre um, universe. And then Flynn and Lady J start like heavy petting. This is the most like, this is the most we've seen out of them. They are. I mean, to be fair, there could be the after effects of the spray still that's right. happening. <laughs> but Flint is like I mean, I, I always get the feeling like he's into Lady J, but it's like a casual work relationship. Yeah, or he's trying to keep it on the down low to yeah. not, like rub it in all the other guys' faces who don't get regular action. <laughs> but it's a fact. Oh yeah, but, I'm sure they were having there's some deal happening. But, you know, yeah. Like, but every time we see Flint away from the base, there's no Lady J there. That's true. <laughs> she, she's I'm, I'm, she's a workmance. I'm just I'm saying right now. So it's oh. like they all of a sudden are just they are getting on They're each other. They had, right there. there was definitely an episode where they talked about dates because she she ribbed him a little bit for is this your idea of a date? Yeah. Mm. At some point she she They're, was bringing that up. They're on a damn yacht. 
<laughs> and brought what, like the Mediterranean oh, or something? The romance overtook and... them. Is that what you're of saying? Of course they did. Well, they both yeah. looked really good too. Well, didn't yeah. they have something funky happen in another episode? I almost forgotten about skeletons in the closet. Oh, we haven't done that one. It's yet. the HP Lovecraft one. I think, yeah. oh. I think something happens in that one. Ooh. Uh, guys, I've told you we have some awesome stuff we haven't done yet. <laughs> they don't believe me. I, tell, I swear to God. <laughs> but um, but oh, yeah, ahead. yeah, skeletons in the closet. That was sort of the. Inhumanoids preview episode. That's yep. Oh, yep. Awesome. <laughs> I have I have recently watched Inhumanoids. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah. It's a, it's definitely a trip. <laughs> With a lot of the same animation and voice actors and stuff. You know. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was the same exact thing. same. You know, team. Um. Really, all the you know all through, and it, it was kind of. I mean, Inhumanoids is simultaneously the most ragged show we did, mm-hmm. and the most the most interesting. I mean, it, you know, in, in other words, it was like. Yeah, it was it was done as like seven minute episodes in a thing called Super Sunday, where he debuted a bunch of things. And then it all got cut back together into into episodes and into oh, one no, movie. So kind of like idea. Adult Swim, and so it's really yeah, jagged. It's very cool. much like the new Superman Batman movie. Oddly enough, you know, as far as like all the setup, which I, I like that movie better than anybody else did. But all the setup of it, you just you just cut that out, and you you mm-hmm. you have the viewer jump as far as they possibly can to figure out what must what you didn't put in there. Sure. Well, we we have a few extra minutes here left over, so oh. I'll tell you what, let's wrap up the episode. We'll talk to you for a couple minutes sure. further. Yeah. Uh, uh, so guys, come on back. We're going to have the uh, extended interview segment Yay. with uh, Flint Dilly here. But Flint, thank you so much for joining us for Oda Cobra. It was yeah, a trip and a half. Thank you. <laughs> we now have the record on Oda Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, until then, uh, you can hit us up individually. On, go to facebook.com slash knowing is half the podcast or at G.I. Joe podcast on Twitter. Uh, individually on Twitter, you can hit me up. I'm at Almighty Ray. I'm at 999. RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. Flint, are you on uh, uh, the Twitters at all? No, I, I, I'm like on Facebook. Well, you know that. Yeah. And uh, really nowhere else. And you, you know what? Well, I'm, on G, I'm on G+, Plus, but mostly I'm on that. Well, I'm doing a game for, for Niantic Labs. Oh. It, was a, it started out at Google, and now we're on a company called Ingress. There you go, and uh, and the most of what I do on Ingress, you know, on G Plus is Ingress related stuff. I have a different persona on there than I do on oh, oh, hidden cool. hidden. But secrets. I just don't. I, yeah, I just don't really tweet very much. Yeah. And you know what? You're probably not wrong for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, I wish. How, I how much tweet. social media can you have? You yeah. Know? Oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, come on back. We'll talk to Flint some more. I'll catch you next week. Bye. find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. (laughs) Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. 
So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com.